Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. Well, welcome to episode five, everybody, of the Living Electric podcast. We've got a special guest this week, Matt Teske. He's the CEO and founder of Chargeway, right? Yes, I, I get to carry both titles, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So uh, Matt's here to kind of talk about uh, Chargeway, first of all. His background, he's got a lot of experience in EV marketing and um, really a, a good a good voice in the industry about how we should be marketing EVs. So I'll kind of let him introduce himself and we'll kind of get into the conversation. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, again, uh, Matt Teske, you've got about 20... Uh, years of experience in the automotive sector, a lot of which was uh, focused on marketing, branding, strategy, and communications. I've worked with brands like General Motors, Toyota, Scion, on new vehicle launch programs, uh, as well as dealership training programs. So uh, I've had a lot of experience working on you know, creating the narrative for why should someone buy this car? <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's really kind of been a lot of the focus over the years. But there's a lot that goes into that, a lot of different you know, uh, stakeholders, how campaigns are developed, what the messaging is. So I've had a chance to work with uh, a lot of great brands on that and work on a lot of great campaigns. And then all that time, I've been focused on where the industry was going with EVs and decided to really start diving into that, um, you know, started, you know, casually being interested over 10 years ago and really decided to dive into it probably about six or seven years ago, just researching, wanted to understand, I knew a lot about automotive, but what can we do on the side of the energy sector and understand that better? And mm -hmm. how do we make those two things click? And so that's really where the inception for Chargeway came from. There's a better story about that, but uh, <laughs> the the general idea was because of how do we marry these two things. And I just wanted to learn what was going on in the space. And over time, realized we really had to address how do we explain electricity as a fuel type, and how do we help people visualize it. And because at the end of the day, the competitive product that consumers have been using for years is called regular or mm -hmm. premium. Definitely. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what we're up against. So how do we make people feel as comfortable and casual about using electricity as a fuel based on what they have to know, which is where do I plug in and how long is this going to take me? And so that's really what Chargeway focused on by using colors to show visualizations of plug type and numbers to show power levels. So if there's a higher number, more power. If you got a low battery, that means you can charge faster. And so keep it real simple. So uh, a lot more to talk about in detail there, but that's kind of the backstory of kind of where I came from, where I came to now here in the EV space and looking forward to chatting with you guys today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks nice. for thanks for joining us. Yeah, um, thank you, Matt. I think, yeah, Brandon and I talk about it all the time, but I think charging is definitely like the biggest question mark a lot of people have about electric vehicles when they get into that and kind of understanding the whole whole infrastructure around it. So do you want to kind of talk about the Chargeway system and what how exactly that works just so our listeners kind of have a background on that? Yeah, sure. Well, I, we've probably got a collection of different types of people listening, ranging from the people that are the early adopters that know all of it, mm -hmm. and then people that might not know anything. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're trying to bridge the gap between. And so, yeah, it, it comes down to something simple is, is instead of trying to teach everybody the engineering terminology that a lot of early adopters have learned about charging, we wanted to break that down simply. So when it comes to the plug type, instead of showing people schematic drawings and using phrases like, you know, CCS combo, J1772, Chatamo, we decided, well, let's just convert that over into simple colors. And then using simple shapes, we can then visualize what is at a station very quickly and easily. 
And then with using numbers, we can then capture different power levels and different you know, segments of power so people can get a sense for what is this station going to offer me? So levels one and two within Chargeway are kind of what we've always known. You know, mm -hmm. plug into a wall, that's level one. Upgrade to a, you know, a 220 volt plug at home, like a dryer outlet plug, that's level two. And so pretty much kept that the same. But then we found that in discussing DC fast charging, a lot of people just refer to it as level three. But a DC fast charger could be anything from a 24 kilowatt Bosch unit mm -hmm. all the way up to a 350 kilowatt you know, Electrify America station. Mm -hmm. So obviously you can't call that the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so we <laughs> no, broke not that. at all. <laughs> yeah. So we said, well, instead of making people figure that out the hard way after the fact, let's make it so they can visualize fast charging easy. So levels three and higher are fast charging in Chargeway, and so level three goes up to about you know 30, 25, 30 kilowatt. Level four goes up to 50 kilowatt. Level five goes up to 100 kilowatt. Level six goes up to 200 kilowatt. And level seven currently goes up to 400 kilowatt. And so this helps capture what people can then visualize on a map for what a maximum KW might be. And we then identify the cars the same way. If you download the Chargeway app and add a car, we put the plug color next to your car for what it uses and the number showing what is the maximum amount of power level that car can accept at any station. And so that way you can know, well, I can plug into whatever I see on the map, but this station might be putting out more power than my car can accept, but I can still use it. Mm -hmm. And so that's another detail that people need to learn. So we wanted to go about it in a way that captured the engineering in a way that didn't require people to be an engineer. I was going to say, I'm an engineer, so I know that's that's very tough for me sometimes to describe a lot of these very technical <laughs> terms in a more simple way for, for potential owners. And I know... I mean, even with, even with gas, you've got like the different octane levels, but we don't, we don't refer to them by that number. We usually say it's like regular or like premium, mm -hmm. like that's, yep. that's your options. So we actually did a really fun study with that. Uh, when we first started our research, um, we were at just basically at auto shows, auto events where people were already there to talk about cars. And one of our research, uh, surveys was asking people very simply, Hey, what kind of car do you have? And they would tell us, oh, I have a, you know, Subaru Forester. I have a Honda Accord, whatever it might be. Next question was, uh, when you go to the gas station, what kind of gas do you get? <clears throat> and, and tell us the first word that comes to your mind. And it was basically about 72% of people said the word regular and another 20% said the word premium. Hmm. So over 90% of people could use just two words yep. and they knew how to <laughs> use their fuel. Uh -huh. And we thought, okay, that's important. And then we said, oh, if they said regular or premium, whichever, we'd say, oh, real quick, do you know what octane number that is? And immediately the survey results were comical. <laughs> it just blew up. Yep. It was like, uh, I don't know, it's like 65, uh, 9 or something. I mean, like, there was a lot of people that just were like, I don't know, man. I don't care. I just get regular. Exactly. And so we began to identify what you just pointed out, which is even the engineering behind the octane, which matters, you know, for your car, people don't understand it. And by the end of the survey study, what we found was that basically at a gas station, it could have been cherry, apple, banana for the last 50 years. And people would have been perfectly fine with that. Yep. And so, and so that's where we're like, okay, we need, this is why we know what we're doing with chargeway is going to matter because they already don't understand the gas and gas is easier. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yep. I know for, for me coming from like a non-engineering perspective, it took me a few years to really understand like the terminology for electric vehicles. And I think if I didn't work for Tesla previously, I would not have that, you know, that knowledge. So yeah. from my perspective, if I had Chargeway, you know, originally, that would have helped me a lot. Um, so I'm well, glad I have it now. <laughs> yeah, that's great to hear. And, and Tesla's yeah. a good example. Uh, you know, they, they realized from the outset that they had to find a creative way to help people feel comfortable with plugging mm -hmm. in. 
And, you know, again, a lot of their original vehicles, you know, they were, they were based on the kilowatt hour size, the battery, you know, so 100D, 85D, you know. But once it came time for Model 3, the entire terminology switched. Yeah. They decided to yeah. say, all right, let's, let's drop the engineering, you know, information as a way to identify. And mm -hmm. let's just call it what people want to know. Is it a standard range? Is it a yeah. long range? Is it a long range performance? I mean, yeah. these are terms yeah. that average people get. So, um, and even in supercharging, I mean, they have, you know, supercharging, but then they have urban supercharging and that's their way of saying, well, that's in a city. And then over time you'll learn it's a little bit different for power. But what I'm finding even, and you guys probably see this every day is people start to casually refer to quick terminology about even supercharging is mm -hmm. they will say, oh, that's a V2 supercharger. Oh, that's yeah. a V3 supercharger. That's no different than Chargeway. Chargeway would say that's a red five supercharger, which is an urban. That's a mm -hmm. red six supercharger, which is a V2. That's a red seven supercharger, which is a V3. So it's designed to be doing exactly what people are already naturally doing anyway. Yeah. It just happens to be the Chargeway is brand agnostic and holistic. Yeah. It, it covers the whole industry, every automaker, every network. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I will say um, it, it's funny, like the more I dove into like the complexity of EV charging, like the different terminology, when the Model 3 was first launched, it threw me off totally. Because <laughs> when I heard standard range and long range, I'm like, okay, well, what kind of kilowatt hours is that? Like, I need to know that stuff. <laughs> so yep. I, I just like, I feel like the more I dive into the simplicity of things, I have to like unravel this thought process I've, you know, found myself. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. I think, and that's yeah. probably the hardest part that we've discovered too with Chargeway is when we introduce it to newcomers, they really mm -hmm. like it. They will say, oh, this makes a lot of sense. This is so simple to understand. I really enjoy this. And so part of the goal of Chargeway is education. And mm -hmm. because that's at the end of the day, what we're really focused on with getting more consumers to buy into EVs is to make them feel like they can with confidence. And so we need to educate the general public, but at the same time, with Chargeway, we're having to also educate the industry. And so part of that is auto dealers and even utility companies and helping them understand utilities, for example, hey, you're a fuel provider now and using Chargeway is a way for you to visualize your fuel. And to your local auto dealers that are also in your service territory, they can also use the same terminology to explain the cars that use your fuel. And mm -hmm. so then it, with those stakeholders using that type of language, it can be you know, provided to the public faster in a consistent way which effectively replicates the Tesla experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's the essential idea. So, but to your point, Brandon, so I, I mean, I had to uncode my brain to, <laughs> to, to figure yep. out how to do this because I was like you, I was right in the weeds. Like I figured all this out, you know? So I recognize it's tough for some people that have been driving EVs for a long time to, to look at Chargeway at face value and say, I love this because they already know all the details. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the idea is for them to use it in a way to hand it off to friends and family to say all the stuff that I went crazy about learning, I can hand it to you and you can learn it in maybe a minute. Yeah. And that's the idea. I do have a story. One of my viewers on my YouTube channel um, bought a Bolt EV based on um, my content. And um, he actually won my recent giveaway and um, oh, cool. he, which was, which was pretty cool. So like it, it was nice, you know, giving back to somebody who is new to my channel. And um, he was telling me that he wasn't too familiar with finding charging stations. So, of course, I, you know, recommended Chargeway and he's a brand new EV owner. And he wrote back like a paragraph saying how grateful he was for that because it helped wow. him because it, it helped him. You know, like he he isn't confused by, you know, certain terminology. It just was really simple for him. And he was like, I can't wait to go play with the route planner and, you know, find different trips. And so yeah. he's, he was really happy with it. 
That's that's fantastic yeah. to hear. And again, the cool thing is is the opportunity to meet more and more people in the industry that are you know reaching out to everyday people like like the two of you with your with your channels mm-hmm. and with this podcast is it opens up the opportunity for more conversation with newer people. Mm-hmm. And when those when those positive experiences happen, they also get shared with friends and family and on social media and you name it. And it's rewarding for, you know, for influencers that are making the content like you both. And then also if you look at owners groups, we also see oftentimes on social media, the owners groups where the complaining happens. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is we have to you know, try to counter that with, with things that make people say, yay, as opposed to, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that's hard. I think you've mentioned it before, but like the EVs are such a new product right now and you've really only got kind of the early adopters and like the tech heads that are driving EVs. How do we, how do we kind of push beyond that and make sure it's accessible to everyone? It's, it's, it's not easy. I think the thing that we've focused on through Chargeway is to ask the honest question of what are we trying to ask the general public to do? And in reality, it's not that we're asking them to buy a, a thing that makes them move that they've never seen before. It's not like we're asking people to go from the horse to the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that happened already. You know, <laughs> they, they already love cars. Yeah. I mean, so people, this is where it's, you know, my automotive background is, well, yeah, people buy, you know, 15 million new cars a year, 30 million used cars. So people already want to go down the path of car shopping and car ownership. What we're trying to get them to think of in advance of that moment is that the next time you do that, you should know going in that you have a fuel choice beyond gasoline. And right now, that's where the awareness factor is effectively not there at all. And the biggest, I mean, biggest evidence of that is uh, Ford did a study in 2019 where right before they launched the Mach-E, they surveyed non-EV owners. And when they asked the question of, how do you fill up an electric car? 42% of respondents said, oh, with gasoline. <laughs> so I am I'm shocked by the amount of people that even think Teslas are still hybrids. Like don't really yeah. even they just think they're a fuel efficient car. They don't even realize that like all mm-hmm. battery is an option. Well, I think that's because people equate gasoline to cars. Mm-hmm. Those two products have yeah. been symbiotic for right. a century. Mm-hmm. And so when you remove gasoline, consumers generally they 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 hear you do that and they think, "Well, then that's a useless thing to me now." Because you just took away the other product I need to make a car useful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's the consumer psychology challenge with electric vehicles. It's not about like range anxiety as much as it's about fuel anxiety. We're, yeah. we're removing a fundamental component from car ownership and not giving people a clear path on how to understand that. I, um, I, I remember uh, when I was driving a Chevy Volt, and I, I know that that's like an extended range electric vehicle or a plug-in hybrid. I don't like to call it that, but <laughs> it has an exhaust <laughs> pipe. But yeah. I remember going to the BMV, and they told me I had to do an e-check on it. And um, I remember going to the place, and they're like, okay, pop your gas. And I pop my charge port, <laughs> and they're like, where do you put gas in? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's on the other side. Yeah. Oops, sorry, I don't use that one that often. It probably has a spider web in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. I think you bring up a good point too. Is is explaining the difference between a gas car, a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and a pure electric? Um, that's probably one of the most difficult challenges at an auto dealership today. Is mm-hmm. they have not received fuel training in a way to explain that aspect of car ownership, and it's something that we try to address with Chargeway through our partnerships with utilities. And so one of the programs we have right now here in Oregon with Portland General Electric is doing just that. We have an e-learning platform that we put together for dealers that doesn't try to educate them on how to sell a car. It educates them on the differences of 
fuel types and how to explain how a different vehicle might be with that fuel type. So um, it's something, and again, the automakers, they haven't really concerned themselves with addressing this from the, you know, the car manufacturing side, because at the end of the day, they will sell a car that runs on whatever fuel consumers are the most comfortable to buy. So mm. they don't have a horse in the fuel race. They don't really care that much. Um, but now that electrification has taken off the way that it has because of brands like Tesla and others, they are now paying more attention, building those plug-in cars, whether it's a plug-in hybrid or a pure electric. But still, if you look at how they're providing information to their showrooms on, this is how you should talk about the, the value of this car. A good example is, is one brand, I, I mean, I saw the trainer, I'm not gonna mention the brand it was, but it was about 65, 70 pages long for the dealerships, and it didn't mention charging until almost page 60. Wow. And I thought, okay, that's a huge issue because yeah. the primary thing that's different about this car is that, and you've spent the bulk of your dealer training on features like, you know, how to pop the hood and find a frunk or something. You know, it's just, it doesn't, what it tells me is that they, they are still just solely focused on their brand of car. Mm -hmm. They're, they're looking at it saying, well, the fossil fuel industry, they solved the problem of the other product for us years ago. So there's another stakeholder that has to step up and do that because we don't do that. I think that's what is so confusing about like plug-in hybrids is that you have to describe both aspects of the powertrain. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like maybe that's where some dealership might struggle. Which one do you prioritize? Because the nice thing with PHEVs is that you can drive a long distance, well, somewhat of a distance on electric, you know, before the mm -hmm. gas kicks in. So it, it almost makes me wonder, have you ever seen any struggles like that when talking to dealerships? Oh, of course. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing that we find is that we have to, I mean, a good example is this, is, is even explaining the use case of, you know, for the customer is mm -hmm. previously you didn't have to ask the customer where they lived to understand how they could fill up. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a fundamental that's a element point. now yeah. of, of EV ownership. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, if you live in an apartment, you might have a harder time driving an electric car in your city because you might not have the right infrastructure yet. Um, so then the argument could be made to that person, well, maybe you could use a plug-in hybrid and if you can't find a charging station for just your city driving, you can still fill up with gas if you need it, but there's a lot of green level twos in your city. So every time you, you know, hop out of, you know, away from home, you could plug in. Um, there's, again, it's, it's all about creating confidence in the product and right mm -hmm. now, the dealerships are not confident to explain electricity as a fuel type. And so it's difficult for them to convey the value proposition of a car that runs on electricity. It's that simple. I think this is an interesting question. What do you, th where do you think we need more chargers? Just in general. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, in general, I would say, um, well, I look at it this way is I, I kind of think there's a few paths forward for how we accelerate uh, EV adoption. Um, number one being that 50% of the United States lives in a home with a garage or a driveway where they mm -hmm. either own or rent. So those 50% of people, to me, are the low-hanging fruit opportunity. They Absolutely. can fill up at yeah. home like 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. So if that's truly the case, then those 50% of people, the, the big element that they need is where do I fill up when I'm away from home and traveling? So I think that if we were to create better visibility for um, highway infrastructure for traveling, I think that that would be helpful. Um, now, that being said, when you end up arriving at your location, how long are you going to be there? So are you going to be there for you know, a few days and you're staying at a hotel that has a green two? Or are you gonna be there for four hours for a meeting and then have to drive home? Mm -hmm. So these are things, that it's, there's no one size fits all, but I think that that type of, understanding that type of use case and that type of driver 
and what they need to me is the strategy for the first next big step. Um, and then the other 50% of people that live in apartments or multi-use dwellings um, or areas where they can't fill up overnight, that that will come, and I hate to say, people won't like me saying this, that will come second. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, it's difficult to try to do both of those at the same time simply because of the cost incurred to do so. Whether we're talking about the infrastructure itself uh, or frankly, we have to get people buying the cars first to justify a lot of these other expenses. Yeah. And so um, to me, it, it really is the the 50% of people that have a home that can fill up at night, giving them the visibility into how they trust that electric car away from home will help accelerate um, into other other segments of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And Honestly, I think, you know, the best example of that of how that was accomplished is Tesla. They did a really yep. good job of it. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. yeah, I think once you get the once you get people to realize that you can just plug it in your garage, you're like, OK, that's great. But what if I want to go on a road trip? That's always the follow up question is like, oh, what if I'm away from home? So I definitely yep. agree with you there that like fast charging is very important and building out that infrastructure is going to be huge for for big, big time adoption. Well, it's yeah, and it's not just fast charging as much as it's just the right infrastructure, right? Because Tesla, as an example, they did both supercharging and destination charging. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. And so that's that's electric fuel education and charging education. That's where the colors and numbers come into play to help them understand the use case of their fill-up. Is to say, well, when you arrive at that location, how long are you gonna be there? Oh, um, <clears throat> I'm visiting family for. I'll be staying at a hotel. I'm visiting family for a few days, or I'm there for a day or two for work. You could then argue to them, well, yeah, then just go to a green two. You can just, your car will just sit there and fill up. If it's a conference in your hotel, it's just going to fill up slowly in the background like it does at your house. Mm -hmm. So that even arguably could be a green level one. I mean, so (laughs) honestly, so it's, and that's where you have, you have to help people understand the use case of the fill up because people have been conditioned for, you know, decades to know that a fill up takes five to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So. So, um, Matt, I actually do have a, a follow-up question to, um, you know, like regarding like the expansion of like, uh, level four uh, and above chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is somebody in the um, electric group here in the Cleveland area who has the argument that uh, public fast chargers are not needed and that the majority of the case is that you're going to be charging at home. So the mm-hmm. amount of fast chargers out there doesn't need to be what we're estimating it to be in a few years. Um, what are your thoughts on that? My first question would be, does that person have a home where they fill up at home currently? They do. Yeah. Then they and have a, a very, very, yeah, well, then they have, they have a very, very, very wicked bias. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be my first comment. My second would be, I understand the logic behind what they're saying in the sense that, oh, because I don't have to think about this. So I don't really have to care. And I don't drive all that far very much. If I want to go from wherever I am to LA, I'll take a plane. I mean, that type of stuff. I get the reasoning behind it. But mm-hmm. people don't buy vehicles that way. Again, you have to think about consumer psychology and what is the mm-hmm. use case by which they will buy a car or a truck or an SUV. And nine times out of 10, you will hear the argument from someone who bought an SUV that has three rows and seven seats that has only maybe one child. But then they say, oh, but you know, I, uh, if family comes to visit and I've got the brother and he's got his two kids and you just, you just never know. Yeah, just and in then, case. <laughs> just in case. And then they buy that vehicle that way and they own it for X amount of time and they never utilize it in that fashion. But mm-hmm. they, gosh, gee shucks, bought it for that .0001 use case. That's how consumers shop. Mm-hmm. And so if you try to convince somebody that you're buying a vehicle that doesn't offer the functionality for every use case, their immediate response is, then this is this is an this is a subpar product. 
this is not the product that I need. I need something that provides me the use for every random, even crazy use case. And that's, that requires with electrification, that requires being able to point to the fact of saying, if you want to get in your car right now and drive to Los Angeles from Ohio, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You have to be, you have to be able to say it with confidence. But if you say, oh no no, don't worry about that. You just, I mean, if you really need that, you can just go, you can go rent a gas car. Their their response is, that's dumb. <laughs> I, I yeah. why yeah. would I why would I spend that extra time to go get a different product I don't own? How about mm-hmm. I just buy the gas car mm-hmm. and then I don't care because not everybody is an environmentalist or altruistic about EV ownership. They are oftentimes just humans that need to get from point A to point B. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so interesting that like. You mentioned like people people don't always buy vehicles for like what they need day to day. They buy it for that mm-hmm. one that they think will be able to do everything they'll ever need to do with a vehicle. Like so many people yeah. buy pickup trucks that like never need to haul anything, but they're like, oh, well, <laughs> but if I move, then I'll have that ability. So oh, it's no, like, totally. it's, yeah, it, it's like, well, I moved once in 10 years of ownership of this thing and it wasn't even a big enough truck. So I had to get a moving van. You know? <laughs> no, it's it, we need to be. And this is the issue, I think, within EV uh, conversations and marketing oftentimes is we have a lot of folks who uh, who were early adopters and innovators that helped get us to where we are. But they also they took steps to make justifications around these decisions because of other reasons that are not in the mainstream and applying that mindset to how the general public should think that's that's not a sound communications or marketing tactic. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're trying to then change people's psychology, as opposed to trying to meet them where they are, and that that I mean in the realm of marketing that's not going to work. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna maintain being in, in a small niche forever at that mm-hmm. at that rate. So, so well, I, I guess well before I begin, I uh, didn't want to call anybody out for that question. <laughs> I just thought that it was a very interesting <laughs> perspective. I've I've never heard an electric vehicle owner say something like that. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, Matt actually, correct me, Matt, was that you that reached out to me back in September on Twitter? I wasn't sure if that was like somebody that ran your social media page or. I can't recall. I think it may have been me because I think I saw something that you posted and I was just like, oh, I was like, this is actually right in line with something that we're looking at doing. It was, was, I think one of your, you know, charging 101 videos you had done. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and I I remember watching it and I I thought your approach was, and and again, how you were discussing was again, approachable. It was meant to be, Hey, let's be casual about this. Let's just invite you into the conversation. But then it was filled with content that was hard to be approachable with, (laughs) you know? And I thought, okay, well, Hey, if this is something that you guys are interested in talking about and trying to reach more people, let's, let's chat and let's, let's see if we can do something to, you know, provide, you know, um, content, you know, to, you know, influencers such as yourselves that have channels that are reaching a lot of people to say, well, it, a- it is actually more approachable than you think. And giving you guys the <laughs> ammo to do that as opposed to, you know, you know, watching you guys try to make it easier when in, in reality, it's not as easy. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, back in October, uh, Alex and I collaborated for the first time in person <laughs> um, <laughs> over <laughs> uh, working through like the day to day of using Chargeway. Um, so as you guys know, I drive a Bolt EV and Alex drives a Tesla. So both of our uh, ownership experience and charging experiences can be somewhat uh, different. Um, so we wanted to compare what it was like to use Chargeway as like a day, daily user. Um, so went down to Columbus and Alex and I spent the day together just filming um, our review and uh, user experience. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I think it was it was definitely 
took an adjustment for me because like I mentioned earlier, like I've got an engineering background. So like I'm used to the kilowatts, I'm used to, um, all that kind of stuff, AC, DC, whereas like, I think the Chargeway app makes it super simple. You pretty much just log on, you put in your vehicle, it already knows like what you have. And the, the interesting part with the Tesla vehicles, it's got options on there for the different adapters you have. Cause I think, mm-hmm. Tesla owners kind of have it bad in a way that like we've got this proprietary plug that we need an adapter to charge at like a majority bad. of, of non bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad in air quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just the fact that we have to sometimes carry extra chargers or charging adapters if we want to want that versatility that some of the, some of the other vehicles have. Um, not to say that we don't have a great network of, of superchargers and other chargers <laughs> available, but um, it can get complicated. I know just talking to other Tesla owners that are like, well, can I only use Tesla stations? Like some people right. still think that, that you can only use superchargers or only use these destination chargers that are Tesla branded. And that's that's definitely not yep. the case. So having those options yeah. on there, I think kind of kind of makes it easier for people. Well, I was going to say that the, uh, yeah, and what you pointed out, Alex, is the fact that you know, education around what we're having people do is still fundamental. Mm-hmm. It's just fundamental. Definitely. And mm-hmm. most, uh, you know, again, that, that Ford study that, you know, how, you know, how do you feel with an electric car? 42% of people, gasoline, you know, <laughs> the other 58% that didn't say gasoline, they don't necessarily understand all the nuance to charging. They just know that it's electricity, but they might then still be thinking like what percentage of that 58% thinks that, oh, it's electricity, but all the charges are the same, right? It's just like gas. It's a big chunk. Yep. <laughs> it's a big chunk of people because how many times you go to an owner's group that will, someone will post a photograph of, you know, holding a connector up and they'll take a photo of it and they're standing at it and say, I'm at 2% range and I can't get this thing to stick into my car. What yeah. do I do? And yeah. you go, yeah, uh, you drive a Nissan Leaf and that's a CCS connector. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be standing there, you know? And well, I was on this app and it said it's a fast charger. What do I do now? And the answer is, uh, zoom out and hope you find (laughs) something else, you know? And so it's, that's the part that has been so casually overlooked. Um, Mm -hmm. And even for Tesla owners, like a lot of Tesla newbies, they are not the early adopter mindset. People are buying Tesla vehicles because it's a Tesla. Yeah. It's cool, Mm -hmm. you know? And, oh man, just go to the owner groups for Tesla model three or model Y and you will get, you can find some entertaining responses from people who are saying, I thought it did this, this and this. And the answer is you assumed Yep. That's what you mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. So we got to we got to fight that from an educational perspective. Definitely. So, yeah. 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 Keep it simple. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's the end of the day. I mean, it's, if if we don't, then regular is going to keep winning. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, I, that's <laughs> it. And dealers will keep shrugging their shoulders saying, "We're going to keep doing that." And even still for that too is the automakers that are trying to figure out creative ways to, you know, you can reserve this car online and put your down payment online. But you still have to pick it up from the dealer because the dealer, you know, the dealer network is still going to be fundamental down the road. I mean, mm-hmm. every car, whether it's electric or gasoline, requires maintenance. Is it heavily reduced for electrics? In a lot of ways, you bet. But mm-hmm. there are, if you go to any Tesla service center anywhere in the country, you, you just you show up and you go, wow, you guys are working on a lot of cars. Because <laughs> yep. they're not perpetual motion machines. They, mm-hmm. And they are not unbreakable. So... Yep. Um, that's the part where I think it's still going to be, um, you know, balancing that out for what we're talking about with education and and getting people up to speed on what these differences are. Um, it's it, it's certainly going to be a lot of changes in the next 10, 20 years. I mean, obviously, even in the next five, but it's not 
it's not going to be just instantaneously snap your fingers, things are replaced. It's not going to be like that. Oh, I was going to, we should have brought this up at the beginning of the podcast, but what what vehicle do you drive right now? I believe you've owned both a, a Bolt and a Model 3. Is that right? Yeah. Our, our first electric car ever was the Chevrolet Volt. And then Volt, we, okay. and then my, uh, we added a Chevrolet Spark EV as just like a little city commuter. That thing mm-hmm. was awesome the unicorn uh, that thing had had so much torque it was incredible (laughs) that thing was so fun to drive um and then we got a second gen volt um and then we upgraded the second gen volt to a we it was on lease we traded then and got a model three and then uh we also traded in the spark ev and we got a bolt um and just and just recently we traded in the bolt it was a lease and so we're down to one car right now and we're we're now looking at the marketplace going wow how things yeah. have changed in three years like <laughs> yeah. what are our options now so yep. yeah we're, we're in debate right now about what our 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 other car will be so what's your biggest contenders right now is there like ones you've kind of narrowed it down to or um yeah i mean i think you know at the end of the day it's i mean the model three that we have is, is going to probably maintain being my car so it's my wife's the new car will be for my wife because she drove mm. the bolt most and so you know she's she's looking at things like model y uh, she hasn't had the opportunity to drive uh, the, the Volkswagen ID4 yet, but I think it, that would be definitely a contender. Um, having a chance to drive uh, the Volvo uh, XC40 Recharge yet, um, I think the range on that one is probably maybe a little bit too low for what she might want right now. Um, and then I think the the Mustang Mach-E is cool, but I think it's a little bit big for what she wants. Hmm. Um, I mean, she could go out and get you know a Bolt right now for dirt cheap but and because they are just like fire sailing them right now to get ready for the 2022s literally um, yeah no really they're, they're, they're moving them so i think that, that she's it. probably not gonna get a bolt again just because she she had one i think she yeah. just wants something different i just realized how bad of a joke that was when you said they're doing a fire sale and i said literally <laughs> oh oh <laughs> I would say, in, in, in fairness, this is, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that one might not land well with certain people. Um, no, no. See, Alex, yeah. there's my, my lame joke of the, the podcast. I'm done. the literal phrasing of, of car sale. It's a fire sale in brands. Like, well, actually. You know. um, but it's funny, too, like, even that topic of, like, that, that's, you know, the FUD as it comes out. And you guys did a whole episode on FUD. You know, and it's the idea of, you know, like anytime someone mentions like, oh, electric cars, they can catch on fire. And my response is, yeah, that's true. But when you're driving a gas car, it's literally on fire in an enclosed metal casing in front Constant of your shins. explosions. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So I think you might be a little nervous about something that is kind of comically not there. But yeah. in reality, what you do every day, it's right in front of you. So, no, I, I uh, and, and again, in fairness to the brands that have dealt with these problems, which is which at this point has been brands like Tesla and Chevy and others who've had these, you know, media moments of that, you know, the conversation it's still such a flash in the pan mm-hmm. compared to what happens with gas cars every year where there are mm-hmm. tens of thousands of gas car fires yeah. and they don't make the news because a gas car has been around for a century. It's just, it, the, the electric car element makes news because it still feels new and it'll get clicks. Um, but yeah, that's just another thing of, of how we have to fight misinformation and it's going to go on for a while. All right. So given Matt's background in, in marketing, we thought it'd be fun to show him some some EV advertisements, and he's basically going to tell us if it's a buy or a sell. So <laughs> um, we shall so, see. <laughs> so since this is audio only, we'll we'll kind of just let the ad run, at least the audio of it, um, and kind of describe what's happening, and then Matt will give his reaction. So, so first up is the Ionic Five Ultimate Camping commercial. 
people love to roam and be free, but this means bringing less. What did you say? Wait, what? But don't you have to charge everything before you leave the house? Says who? You don't need to anymore. To cook while camping, you had to gather wood, make a fire. That's quite the effort. Doesn't the sound of nature make you feel more relaxed? Now it does. What exactly is going on here? Can someone please fill me in? Hey, you still don't get it, do you? Woo! How is all this even possible? Shh, you'll find out soon enough. Okay, so I've I've watched it. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and okay. Um, so for, so we're talking about the Ionic five camping commercial. Um, I, I get what they're trying to do. Um, this is the tough part, right? Is that you have two products you're effectively talking about in one. You're talking about a car being a car and energy being energy, right? And they're blending the two conversations. Um, I think it's fun how they're kind of doing it in a teaser sense because it, this entire commercial is all about vehicle to grid. It's all about the, the car powering your house, your life, and everything, and no matter how you think about it. Um, and yeah, that's an educational factor people have to, are going to have to contend with. A uh, vehicle to grid power with respect to your car being able to power your home and your life and everything else is not something that's uh, universally ready to rock yet. <laughs> so in concept, it's great. Um, I'll be, I'm curious to know, now is this, is this commercial for North America only? Is it for Europe, North America? Is it for... I think it's global. Okay, so that that takes that's that's a big piece to take into consideration. Is in some other parts of the world, vehicle to grid is already being viewed as a. I mean, there's more discussion about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, here in the United States, this is. I mean, I talk to utility companies every single day around the United States. This is on their radar for sure. But is it being treated as like, we need to be really being mindful of how to market this and be ready for this? Yeah, the answer is absolutely not. Um, namely because the connector type that most vehicles are using uh, being CCS or green uh, here in North America um, is that it is not fully, I mean, it can do some of those elements, uh, but it wasn't initially designed for it. Um, Lucid, for example, has commented on the fact that their vehicles will be capable of offering this as an option. Um, so there's a lot of things that go on in the background to make this possible. Um, brands like Tesla have said, yeah, we're not going to go that route. We're just going to have you buy batteries for your house because it's, it's just, it makes a little more sense that way. It's less complicated to have to communicate back to the grid. Um, how is that? I mean, there's a lot of details that go in there. And so Tesla's approach was, well, we'll just sell this by selling you more batteries and just glue them to your wall, you know? And so I think that that's a much more, um, there's less education required because you just buy the battery and stick it in your house and you're done. Um, so this is a huge educational hurdle. I, I, I applaud Hyundai for doing this. Um, the specs on the Ionic 5 are awesome for a mm -hmm. lot of different reasons. Um, I'll be curious to see how this type of approach plays out here in North America, considering that the United States is very far behind on vehicle to grid. Um, but, you know, and that too is, is, you know, you're showing some guy cooking a turkey with an electric oven you're showing a, you know opening a fridge listening to a big sound system yeah. you're gonna learn soon man and he's on like a treadmill in the middle of a forest it's i mean yeah. all those things i appreciate but this is all about energy education and not automotive education 
And if automotive companies are going to say that they are going to overtake that conversation and be, you know, a bigger part of that, there, there's a there's a huge uh, psychological hurdle there for my car can run my house in the same way that my house can run my car. Mm-hmm. That is not going to be easy to. I mean, is it possible? Sure. Is it going to be easy to explain? No, I don't think so. Um, but I applaud them for at least showing this. I think it's I think it's neat. I mean, Japan had a head start with vehicle to grid with Chatamo, uh, you know, the blue fast charging connector here in North America because it was designed to do that. Uh, whereas, you know, the other options weren't. And this is again education. Who boy, this is going to be a, <laughs> a big part of it moving forward. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I do love the Ionic Five as a car. I think that thing is is cool as all get out, and I think it'll do well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm still debating whether or not to go forward with my Cybertruck or go for that <laughs> as a bolt replacement. Those are two <laughs> very very different vehicles. I know, Brandon. but they look very similar. <laughs> They're That's angular. Fair. <laughs> they got some edginess to it. Yep. <laughs> okay, so is this the other one you want me to watch, so Alex? So the next one is the the GMC Hummer EV, and it's with LeBron basically just kind of walking around the car and getting his reaction to it. Okay, I'm reading the fine print already. Pre-production model shown with 2023 model year accessory wheels. Actual product may production model may vary. Okay, well, we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what LeBron says. This crazy. Oh, I can't wait to push this boy. Damn. You know, GMC should be extremely proud of themselves uh, of the build of this uh, this beast. The details inside and, and exterior is second to none. Obviously, you know, they spent a lot of hours on making sure the quality and the detailing of this vehicle is, uh, is amazing. And for it to be uh, all electric, for it to still have that power and that presence of, of a Hummer. Don't be surprised when you see me rolling down the street in this. You know, say I might be in Ohio back at the crib. Might catch me in, uh, in LA, one of these LA streets rolling around. So futuristic, but so bold at the same time. It's like sleek and bold. Love it. All right, so I watched. It. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, G- here's the thing: is when GM wants to do it, they they can put their marketing muscle behind something and they can make it happen. Um, yeah. I think that you know, I, and immediately when this when he like put out his Instagram post about hey, check out what I'm hanging out with in my driveway today, and yep. people went bonkers. You know, I they're like, oh, well, LeBron already has the Hummer EV. I'm like, no, LeBron doesn't already have the Hummer EV. <laughs> they, they showed up with a trailer and they pulled yeah. it off the trailer and they rolled it into his garage. The whole and, film crew. Yeah. And so, but to GM's credit, this is this is the power of, of when they when they are confident to put their muscle behind a product and they're ready to say this is going to be hard to rival, they'll do it. This is why I, I look at like you know people's argument of like oh they never really marketed the Bolt. It's like well the Bolt is not a vehicle that they pl- plainly that they take a massive amount of pride in. Mm-hmm. It was really it was a it's a it's a damn good car. I mean there's no getting around that reality. The Bolt is a great car, but as a competitor to the landscape of electrification, it doesn't check all the boxes of I'm the best. 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 So GM's mm-hmm. like well then we're not gonna start flexing our muscles saying so. Now, the GMC Hummer EV, the Cadillac Lyric, 
those are their first vehicles that are going to step into that realm where they're willing to put a lot of weight behind it. Look no further than their Super Bowl commercial because those yeah. two vehicles were the two hero cars. But that's because they look at those vehicles as true competitors to what is considered a great electric car. Um, so in that sense, I think that you know this LeBron spot does the trick of getting people to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, the vehicle matches LeBron. Is LeBron is you know he's a, a beast of a basketball player. <laughs> uh, he's he's gonna be he's gonna go down in history as potentially the best ever. You know you're aligning his lifestyle image with this vehicle. And if you got that person saying, oh man, look at this thing. This is exactly, it's a beast. This thing is sleek and sexy. It's all these, it, it looks great when it's just sitting still kind of stuff. That means you're adding a cachet to someone else who might want to buy that, who perceives LeBron as someone to emulate. Mm-hmm. So this is, in those senses, this is all very smart marketing. Um, so I think that the next step is going to be when this comes to market is you know, the realities of how it functions. And yeah. that's really, and, and again, that's where I think GM is taking their time. I know it's not making a lot of people happy and people give GM grief for it, but rewind five years, there was no discussion of an Ultium battery. You know, there <laughs> no. were not battery facilities from General Motors. There was, no. there was basically the Volt and the Spark EV and yeah, we're kind of trying, but they, I think what they're making, you know, setting a stage for is to say our battery platform is going to be great and it's going to compete and it's going to make for great vehicles. The dot, dot, dot after that in my world is to say, cool, how do you fill it up? And, (laughs) you know, when your relationship is with a single network to roll out 2,700 fast chargers in random places around the U.S., it's certainly better than zero. But my response to that is, this battery in this Hummer is going to be massive. Yeah, It is going to be a huge battery. Which means it's going to have to hook up to a level like a green level seven charger and take it all in and fast to mm-hmm. accomplish a good fill up, and I don't yet see the landscape for that happening. So that concerns me for what will end up being the volume of this vehicle. Yeah, so. definitely. Exactly. The funniest part about this commercial, and I didn't even realize till Brandon pointed it out, but in the in the frames where they're rolling the truck into his garage, there's very clearly a Tesla wall wall connector right on the inside of his garage. They taped over Tesla too. There's like neon green tape over. It. <laughs> when you, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's the same thing for um, like Will Ferrell being in the GM ad. Yeah, like he he drives a Model S. One of his vehicles, I'm sure he has more than one, but he does drive a Model S. So mm-hmm. they they're not again. GM's not dumb. They've been doing this a long time. They know yeah. how they need to go about getting the attention of the right people to you know sway the conversation. I think the blunt reality is that all these brands that have been building cars for a century you're changing their their core business and it, they can't hit a switch and do that overnight and unfortunately and this is the terrible reality of it is at the end of the day these businesses are all in business for business to make money mm-hmm. and the the reason why they should be building EVs is is not from the perspective of profitability in their minds so it's hard for them to justify that but you see Tesla's stock price go to what, you know, at the beginning of the year was near, you know, almost a trillion dollar company. Yeah, the, the people in the smoke-filled rooms of all these other old auto brands are going to go, <laughs> crap, we probably should really start addressing this. And that's why you see things like the Ultium Battery Day and, you know, vehicle development mm-hmm. happening the way that it is. Because, unfortunately, Wall Street talks. Yep. And that's yeah. a big part of what's happening here. But as a person who wants EVs to accelerate, you're not going to hear me complaining about that 
because we need this. Definitely. So, yeah. Um, so typically I end every episode with an awkward joke and Alex just, you know, gives me a sympathy laugh. <laughs> so I am wondering, Matt, do you have an awkward joke or anything with like an oh. electric vehicle? <laughs> Hopefully oh, related to I, EVs. You know, <laughs> well, relate, and related to EVs. Ugh. Yeah. Um, it could be a pun, something cringy. I, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't have anything EV like off the top of my head. I am I am awesome with the bad jokes. Uh, okay. Uh, but it's not like it's a joke. Like it's like you know, like sit down, I'll tell you a joke. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I did recently that really embarrassed my wife. Um, <laughs> Those are oh, the needs. Yeah. So, uh, and this is this is God. This is so long winded. It's so terrible. But I laughed so hard at myself when I did this because we've all been living inside and amidst you know COVID for the last year. Uh-huh. And <laughs> this is so bad. She's gonna hate the fact that I talked about this. <laughs> so we have had some construction getting done uh, by our house recently here by the city, and I live in Portland, Oregon. And every morning they show up at like 6 a.m. and they un they take all these you know they open the fence and they start wheeling all these machines down our road to this little neighborhood main street we have, and it's been going on now for like a month or two. And I was, <laughs> I, was I forget if we were sitting at dinner or I was laying in bed. And I was like I was like honey, I have named one of the little machines that goes by every morning, and it's like a little bobcat you know like little like little forklift kind of thing. The guys just go along, <laughs> and I said I've named him Rumble because it shakes our whole house. <laughs> And she goes, okay, that's fine. And I said, but hey, there's more than one of those machines. The the next one that goes by, I've named him too. And she goes, what's that one? I said, Stiltskin. Oh my god. And she went, and she just like stared at just me. Stare. Goes, did you just did you just make a joke about Rumple Stiltskin? We call it Rumble Stiltskin. I was like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, Perfect. she's like, I want you to do me a favor. She's like, I want you to never ever tell anybody about this ever. And just and again, very, my wife, my wife's always the, you know, she's like, I know you think you're funny, but I don't know if anybody else is going to think you're funny. But I love you. But I don't know if anybody else should hear this, you know. And so uh, anyway, so what I did is I told everybody on the next day when we were walking our dog, and she's just like, don't, no, don't listen to him, don't listen to him. So yeah, that's awesome. so. Uh, yeah, that's my terrible joke that is very long <laughs> and not funny. Yeah. Uh, but now you're going to find yourself thinking, Rumble Stiltskin. And you're just going to yeah. think of it out of nowhere, and it's yeah. going to make no sense. Yeah. Yeah. We'll perfect. just say, thanks, Matt. <laughs> thanks, Matt. That's, that's, that's my gift to everybody listening today. <laughs> uh, that's oh, great. Awesome. Well, COVID's um, made me bad at jokes. <laughs> that's my whole life yeah. <laughs> well uh thank you matt for joining us today and if you guys haven't yet definitely check out the chargeway app it's available for uh iphone off the app store as well as with android devices off the google play store uh did i get that one right you did <laughs> yeah. yeah you did okay cool apple user here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyways guys thank you guys for joining us today and we'll see you guys on the next episode